welcome listeners to www.ironradio.org, the website and podcast for all things strength sports and sports nutrition. With your hosts, Lonnie Lowry. Remember, Phil is like a gnarled old oak tree held together with scar tissue and bone spurs. Rob Fortney. And I'm telling you, the pain that I would suffer was beyond excruciating. And Phil Stevens. Do it, Rob. You'll kill all those nerves. Thanks for listening. Welcome, IronRadio.org listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry. I am an exercise physiologist and a nutritionist. <coughs> and I got coffee going down the wrong pipe. <laughs> hey, this is Phil Stevens. I'm a strength coach. I run Strength Guild here in Topeka, Kansas, as well as uh, the USSF. I'm a powerlifter and Highland Games athlete. Dr. Mike T. Nelson. I'm a PhD in exercise physiology, uh, university instructor, and like lifting heavy stuff and a bunch of other stuff. All right. A little vague, maybe. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a bunch of other, I do a bunch of stuff. A yeah, bunch of that. stuff. Well, that's what we're going to actually, we're going to focus on a little bit today. Uh, everyone is just being thankful for stuff. I think we did a gratitude kind of episode last year. And there's, there's always things every year, you know, to be grateful for. So I think we're going to do another gratisode. Yeah. Um, but one of the things I want to do with that this time is um, I peeked around the Internet about what other sites were saying they were thankful for. And I'll toss some of this out, and you guys can say something more clever than other sites. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's start with some news. This first one is September uh, 2014 from the Journal of Consulting and Clinical Psychology. Strength and Muscle Sport News. So, um, improving mental health in health practitioners, a randomized controlled trial of a gratitude intervention. So this is Chang and colleagues. And the whole idea is, I think, that there's a huge amount of occupational stress when you work in healthcare. And they actually wanted to focus on a very specific, and they did this in a double-blind, randomized kind of way. I'm not sure exactly how they did this, but it was across five public hospitals, and they followed up for three months. Uh, over a 100 practitioners, um, I think they randomly assigned them into three conditions. Uh, gratitude, where they're purposely thankful for things. A hassle condition, and then a non-nil you know, treatment. Um, and then they followed them along and they did some testing on, um, you know, depressive symptoms and, and stress. And, uh, the results were such that there was a significant treatment by time interaction. So in other words, over time, their focus on gratitude worked, uh, for lack of a better way to say that. Um, it says they could, whether they compared the gratitude intervention to control or the hassle group. And again, I haven't read all this because it says they actually couldn't discern a lot of these symptoms between the control group and the hassle group. So maybe, you know, when you're in a control group in a hospital setting, you're just automatically hassled. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> or, or I'd, again, I didn't read all this, so I apologize, but did they purposely hassle some of these people? Because I don't yeah. see how that's ethical. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. You know, they have enough headaches dealing with clients and patients. And um, Anyway, it says, let's see. Uh, relative to c the control, the gratitude group reported lower depressive symptoms, statistically lower, um, and perceived stress was lower. Uh, it says, conclusion, taking stock of thankful events is an effective approach to reduce stress and depressive symptoms among healthcare practitioners. So how about that? They're actually using it in counseling 
as a specific tool. In fact, I first got turned on to that when I lived in Minnesota. Two of my colleagues, Connie and Michelle, they were professors, uh, and they were they teach part of that. There's like this gratitude focus in part of their health class. They teach like a general health and wellness class. Mm. And um, apparently there's really a lot to that. I think uh, Andrew Weil has talked about that too, Dr. Mm -hmm. Weil, about just being grateful and, you know, counting your blessings. Because otherwise, you know, I always think of an old Joe Walsh too, and he says, um, I can't complain, but sometimes I still do. Life's been good to me so far, (laughs) you know? And, uh, I'm a lot like that. You know, I have no right to complain. You know, I, I, most of my problems are first world problems, let's face it. Yeah. Uh, but I still do sometimes complain. So I have to, I purposely go get thankful, you know. So here in this study, actually, it's helping people's health. So pretty cool. This other one is a little unrelated, but Phil, you might be interested in this. This is from the International Journal of Sports Nutrition and Exercise Metabolism. Uh, November 2014, so pretty spanking new, um, from Couture and colleagues. It's the evaluation of sports nutrition knowledge uh, among coaches, high school coaches mm. in this case. But it says the objective of the study was to evaluate high school coaches' knowledge in sports nutrition and different practices. Um, and they actually, this is interesting to me and I think to a lot of our listeners, they separated them between quote-unquote leanness sports and non-lean sports. Um, so, of course, leanness sports being focused on weight classes, low body weight, mm-hmm. low percent fat. Mm-hmm. Um, it says, let's see, participants obtained a total mean score of 68% on on the knowledge questionnaire. More specifically, less than 30% of coaches could answer correctly some of the nutrition questions regarding carbohydrates and lipids. It says there was no difference statistically in nutrition knowledge between coaches, whether they were in a leanness or a non-leanness sport, uh, nor could they find any differences between men and women coaches. Um, Respondents with a university education scored a letter grade higher, basically. 10% 10% higher. <laughs> to me, that makes me, it makes me wonder though, that maybe if you just have more intellectual training, you just sort of figured the test out. Maybe you weren't as knowledgeable. You're just able to, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, better take yeah, the test. logically discern the answer, right? Uh-huh. Better take the test. Uh, so it says the most popular source of information about nutrition used by coaches was, Get ready for it. The internet at 55% of coaches going to the internet for their nutrition info. Um, the two most popular nutrition practices that coaches recommended to improve their athletes' performance were hydration and consuming high protein foods. Mm. It's interesting. Uh, because I don't think that's what you would get from a lot of health workers, uh-huh. you know. Uh, so it says findings from this study indicate coaches need sports nutrition education and specific, specific training. So, so Phil, I got to ask you though, what's your opinion of coaches on the nutrition front? I mean, think like it may be in your sports and our sports mm-hmm. strength throwers, uh, collegiate high school, <laughs> because you're not going to fall into this category, obviously. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, no. So, I'm, so ju- uh, judge them. Judge judge your brethren. <laughs> no, it's definitely pretty. I think. Well, I mean, I think the people that like I run with. Are, are fairly knowledgeable, but I think in general, and that's where we get jaded. You know, the people that I like associate myself with are, are more like myself. 
Um, but you know, high school coaches in general, I think that's spot on. I mean, I think, and the problem is that like I deal with a lot of them and like, I'll get an email and it'll be like coach Jones, history teacher, you know? <laughs> so they just get thrown into a role at the high school level at most times. So oh, it's like, I see. you know, yeah. they're actually a history teacher. That's now, Hey, we need a spot. Somebody needs to coach these kids. Okay. I'll do it. You know? So <laughs> that's what happens a lot at the high school level. Um, is that just somebody's thrown in that role. So often we assume, and maybe I was just now, that these guys are like heavily certified in coaching, you know, teaching yeah. and coaching. And in fact, you're right, they could be the freaking history teacher that said. And that's what a lot of it is. I yeah. mean, that's what I'm dealing with one school and their wrestling coach is like a social studies teacher. So, and it's like, well, I don't expect him to know much about that, let alone much about wrestling. <laughs> yeah. Which is kind of sad, but, uh, that's what happens at, you know, public school level. I think you get into some of the more, um, affluent schools and that's where you start seeing actual coaches and, and things like that. And that's all they do. Um, but it's definitely not that way at the public school level right. usually. This made me think a little bit about the university here, uh, where I teach in that when I first came, I was floored that we didn't have a strength coach. Mm -hmm. I guess I was just from bigger schools and I assumed that most yeah. universities had a full-time or for goodness sake at least a part-time strength staff you know yeah and uh i think we're going to actually do a little experiment in the spring where i'm going to have a lot of coaches from around campus uh come tell my strength conditioning class how they condition their athletes yeah. and then we'll sort of compare that to nsca recommendations or what have you you know but um so in, in this situation you're talking about, it's not just a lack of strength staff, but really any dedicated, staff. specifically trained coaching staff. Yeah, and that's what I tell. You know, I deal with a lot of middle school and high school athletes, and that's what I tell their parents. I was like, you know, your kids are going to be step ahead if they come in here because the minute they're in high school or they go from high school and there's really no dedicated strength and conditioning classes for them. Like they can take weightlifting, but in general that's – they just go in and do what the hell right. they want. Open time in the weight room. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the minute they step into a Division One college level, they're going to be thrown into that. And and these kids are going to be a step ahead. You know, they're going to all of a sudden have a, you know, nutrition staff and strength and conditioning. And, you know, the baseball players are going to be expected to lift, you know, and things like that. So this did suggest you know. that, you know, university educated and specifically certified coaches did better on the nutrition knowledge. So I'm not. You know, that's not that surprising, I guess. I mean, yeah. how can you know things if you're a history teacher yes. unless you get some training, you know? Well, so. They almost passed. They got a 68%, so. You know, and let's face <laughs> it. would be like I mean, dropping me off in the history class and asking me to teach, you know, right. you know Chinese Revolution or whatever. I yeah. don't know. Right. <laughs> you, you could be a reasonably intelligent guy or highly intelligent yeah. like Mike here. And if you, if you haven't heard it, heard the facts, yeah. how can you, you know, be utterly clueless figure it out? Lost. <laughs> anyway well that's all i've got you guys have any news this week no not anything new anything no, nothing too new here yeah okay uh i think what we're going to do today i mentioned uh talking about gratitude in general because it obviously influences your health i mean that study we were just looking at um who is that from again that i mentioned that cheng and colleagues that's that's a new paper, you know, and again, that's nothing new. It's actually woven into some health uh, training in different university departments and that sort of thing. But um, so it's a good idea to count your blessings. And let's go to early break. When we come back, we'll do that.
Hi, this is Dr. Lowry with an update on the protein book that you hear about in the ad at the end of the show. Uh, if you simply Google CRC Press in protein, uh, there's a new development. On the right side of the page, you can see ebook, and there's a purchase slash rent option. And the cool thing here is if you check that out now, because they have an agreement with Vital Book, uh, you can actually download the ebook for $69 US dollars. So that's 31% off the $99.95 uh, cover price. So that's pretty fantastic. $69, I think that's going to drop it into the affordable range for a lot of people. And you can even rent it. Uh, lower down the page, they have 180-day rentals and one-year rentals. So you can access the book in electronic format and get some of this juicy information. So thanks. Hi, this is Dr. Lonnie Lowry, and on behalf of Phil and Rob, I'd just like to let listeners know that if you love us or you hate us, we'd like you to leave a comment or perhaps vote for us on iTunes. It helps us out quite a bit on the popularity side of things. Uh, you can also follow uh, Dr. Lowry, me, on Twitter. Uh, it's Lawnman7 on Twitter if you want to do that. We also have a Facebook page, the Iron Radio uh, listeners page. So... Uh, whether it's leaving a comment or voting for us or following us on Twitter or Facebook, uh, that would be fantastic. Also, uh, occasionally Rob or myself will write an article for another website and Phil will as well. So lots of ways to um, interact, uh, follow us in other media and vote for us and uh, keep things going strong on Iron Radio. Thanks. I can't stop feeling Some of us don't understand How lucky we are To be living in this Hi listeners, this is Rob Fortress Fortney I'm here to remind you that as the holiday season approaches And your thoughts turn to giving we like you to keep Iron Radio in your thoughts Every week for four years now It's been our privilege to bring you Weekly news, experts, and gym talk Did you know that now Roughly 20,000 brothers and sisters of Iron Count on us for these things? Of course, not everyone can afford to be a supporting member or a significant one-time donor. But for those of you willing to pitch in $4 per month or $50 just once, we're about to sweeten the deal. Become a supporting member or major donor, and a limited number of you will receive a gift worth over $20. And we will never forget our existing supporters. Simply email me via ironradio.org, and I'll send you a free seminar from Dr. Lowry on how to significantly and realistically boost your testosterone levels. Help your iron brothers and sisters who cannot pitch in but deserve better internet programming in our sports. And happy holidays. Fix of Iron Radio. In addition to being a popular institute on iTunes, we are also on email. Simply go to www.ironradio.org and sign up for the voluntary email. You'll get a once per week email, no more, that's little more than the show notes and a link to the audio. So go for it. <laughs> Okay, we are back. It's Coach Stevens and Dr. Mike T. Nelson and Lonnie, and we are going to talk about gratitude. It's a good time of year for it. Uh, still got a lot of leftovers. In fact, I'm stoked uh, 
my wife Kelly is actually going to make a, another turkey since we went over to my parents' house, right. you know, for Thanksgiving. Yep. So we're getting double nice. Double duty. Yeah. yeah. So we're going <laughs> to, in fact, one of the things as I surfed around the web that people did say that they were grateful for was the constant supply of food and the open variety of supplements in the United States. Mm-hmm. So I know a lot of our listeners, they'll send us emails from Scotland and Britain and they're, you know, they're all over the place, uh, Australia, um, even, you know, Eastern Europe and that sort of thing. And not everybody has equal access. And I can tell you when I've traveled and Phil, you, I know you can say this and Mike, you too, mm-hmm. that it's yeah. not the same everywhere. You know, they, nope. it, it's very, uh, it's almost weird and backwards. Like, mm-hmm. you know what it's like, like Phil, I, I, I was only in Thailand for a week. You were there for a long time, but mm-hmm. the, the vibe I got was anabolic steroids were free and open everywhere. And then stuff, stuff like whey protein is considered yes. taboo. Yep. And how weird, <laughs> you yeah. know. Uh, I, I, there's a lot of guys that live in the U.S. They uh, give their right arm for that situation. Yeah. You know, bring me the testosterone, yeah. keep your weight protein. Yeah, that was weird. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so I can see that you know people being grateful for that sort of stuff here. But um, I want to say one thing before I get into this list from surfing around the web that. Uh, I'm grateful for the donors, uh, Iron Radio donors and supporting members. We've had quite a few people sign up, you know, or make a, a donation. Um, and even some people have earmarked it for either some of the research that I'm doing with uh, caffeine and energy drinks and explosive performance or for um, a little sponsorship deal, you know, that, yeah. uh, of course, Phil and I have been talking about finding some worthy athletes and uh, and sponsoring them in 2015. So I'm very grateful for that. So don't forget, you guys, though, if you do that, if in November or December, if you become a you know, full-time supporting member at $4 a month, or if you make a significant one-time donation, um, email Rob. Uh, in fact, I'm going to try to get a hold of Rob later today and record some stuff with him because that's very, very tough for him these days. But uh, email Rob at robertfortney at hotmail.com, and then he'll get a hold of me, and I'll send you a gift. So a little thank you gift. Yeah. Uh, and we could do that in other countries, too, uh, believe it or not. So Yeah. No, anyway. I mean, I'd, I'd say the same thing. I'm, I mean, over the past week, even, I've had five or six people reach out and, and like, message me on the social media and just thank us for what we're doing. And, you know, I thank them back because, you know, if they weren't listening, we'd just be sitting here talking to no one. <laughs> yes, we would. You know? <laughs> so, um, you know, thank you guys for actually tuning in, you know, and it gives, you know, it, it gives our message a voice. So Absolutely. I'm grateful that Mike's on board helping us out because there's a lot of people that rely on Mike for for reliable you know, intellectual kind of um, discussion, you know, and education and that sort of thing. Uh, so, Mike, you're bringing a, a whole new group, I think, I hope, you know, to say, oh, look, you know, here's another resource, and this is free. You know, it's a free yeah. resource. So people can catch Yeah, yeah, that. no, thanks very much for you guys having me on here. That's, that's awesome. It's, it's fun to do. <laughs> so let's talk around the web. So, um I just Googled, you know, what am I grateful for? What am I thankful for? And then I also typed in the term bodybuilding. Uh, and of course, this is going to be more on the bodybuilding side. And I didn't get a chance to go through powerlifting and all the different sports because they might differ a bit. But one was from Generation Iron, which is an interesting website. Uh, and they sort of did this top 10 list. There was one on Huffington Post and there was these different ones about general, but I wanted to do more specific to the, uh, the muscle sports and, and Jen Iron, number one 
was squat was the squat people are most grateful <laughs> for the squat and this kind of hit home with me personally because uh lately i've just been sort of struggling with some health issues you know old surgical repairs and joint stiffness and that sort of stuff and i am acutely aware when i go in the gym i can grab that bar and just do a full range of motion squat even if it's just two and a quarter you know whatever i'm doing I don't know. I'm especially grateful for that because once you kind of feel like, oh my God, I could, could I lose this? If you feel like you're going to lose something, boy, that'll bring your attention to it, you know? And, uh, I'm just glad that I can still do that because I really, I like to squat, you know? So yeah, that was number one. Uh, I don't know if you guys, here's some other ones too. And you guys can agree or disagree, but also on their list was simply, um, barbells, yeah. uh, dumbbells, and then they had two categories, but I'd also lump them into supplements in general. So I don't know. Mike, are you doing a lot of uh, – are you mostly barbell? I mean, I know Phil's like not just barbell, of course, but barbell focused. Are you? Mm-hmm. Would you call yourself barbell focused, or are you into kettlebells and dumbbells and everything else? Yeah, kind of all of the above. I mean, I'm primarily doing mostly strongman stuff right now. So mm-hmm. um, some implement stuff. So, you know, log and stone and deadlift, that kind of thing are the main three I've been working on now, or I should say pressing, mostly axle pressing lately. Um, but yeah, I've also found even just going to the, just a normal, I just got a membership at a local commercial gym. <clears throat> mostly I train in my garage, just having access to a few machines and, you know, dumbbells and that type of thing for, you know, lighter, what I call the hypertrophy kind of dude bra type stuff mm-hmm. um allows me to train a few more days per week and makes my joints feel a lot better and you know overall i feel better because i get out get some movement and that type of thing too and there's only so many days you can go you know heavy even just training with implements all the time just tends to kind of at least in my experience kind of beat you up a little bit too mm-hmm. yeah what Phil? I know you're not in like huge competition cycle right now. Are you? Uh-huh. Are you mixing it up a lot, or are you just grateful for the barbells? Uh, I'm mixing up a little bit more, but I'm still doing. It's just lighter, basically, and things like that. Um, like instead of squatting this time of year, you know, and this is one of the things I was going to be thankful for was was Dr. Stuart Adams and colleagues who created ibuprofen back in 1961. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> This time of year, uh, I just hurt. So I, I change things up and I do things that don't hurt. And for some reason, like box squats to depth, it's for me on my hip, it's like the, the turnaround. It's that stretch cycle that really mm, binds my the hip. Bottom. Yeah. So I'll, I'll go to a box and, and it doesn't hurt as bad, even if I'm going the same depth. Um, and I don't, I think part of that's psychological. Um, because I know if it hurts, then I can just sit down. You know, I'm not just stuck there with 600 pounds mm-hmm. on my back in the bottom in pain. So I can sit there and say, Hey guys, uh, help. But, um, okay, yeah. uh, so part of it's that I think, but I mean, and, and then the other than that is just the stretch cycle where that, that hip kind of jams into, into place with no cartilage. But yeah, no, other than that, I mean, I'm doing a little more single leg work this time of year and, uh, a little more, uh, you know, show muscle i guess you know i'm doing some curls i'm doing some things like that that i i don't spend enough time on mm-hmm. um you know which is helping my joints a bit you know my elbows were hurting and so just doing a, a crap load of curls and tricep extensions and things like that helps i'm so. almost surprised you're doing single leg stuff uh, is that just because of your your unique situation with your own body or do you have all your people do that 
I have I have some people do that. It depends on like I have a glaring weakness from left to right leg. Like everybody's gonna have it, you know, unilateral differences, but mine's like way out there. Right. Yeah. Um, because we put me on a a forty five degree leg a leg extension. It was more of a hack squat, so your body was up and the plates where the plates are. And like I was knocking out five hundred pounds with one with my right leg, and I could not lift my body alone with my left leg. Oh. Um. Mm. So it's that big of a difference. Yeah. Um. So I'll I, I'll go through times where I do that, um, and just try and work on the left leg. And a lot of it is just it doesn't have the eccentric uh, strength. Like my right leg, I'll have a big step up box, and I can slowly set myself down and like tap my heel on the ground. My left leg, I'll bend it, and then I'll just flop. Boom! You oh know? wow! Yeah. So it's working on that and and, and things like that. So right on. Um, it's always fun. But no, I have people do. To do single legged stuff. Like I said, if they have, like I have one girl now who has a glaring, her, her left leg is just way behind. And on squats, once they get heavy, she'll shift over and you can see her, you know, shift all the way to the one side. So it's like, okay, we're going to do some more single leg work. So, but, Mike, this sounds like something you might do too, but do either of you guys do single leg assessments? Like, do you break it out? Because I wouldn't, I don't think I would automatically think of doing that with somebody. You know, like, let's check your, not just your one rep max, but what's your one rep max, let's say, like in a leg press with, Right versus left leg. Do you actually do that kind of stuff, or, or is it just observation? I actually, yeah, I do both. I mean, if people are training here, then I can look and you know watch them or get video and that type of thing. Um, if they're more online, since a lot of my clients are online now, I have them do a. F- if they have a lot of pain or they've got a lot of issues kind of going on, I definitely have them do it. And what I do is I'll program stuff uh, left hand and right hand separately. And that way I'll know about where they're at. Then I'll tell them if you're, you know, way off of your, let's say your right arm row versus your left, you know, left, let me know. Mm-hmm. A lot of times on those, like upper body stuff, I've seen there's a pretty big difference in grip. So they may say, well, I'm doing, you know, rows in the right hand, it's good, but on my left hand, my grip gives out. Or really simple, like a, you know, hip sled, you know, do it right leg only, you know, mm-hmm. then do left leg only. And if you see like a pretty big difference, then I'll have them do uh, one leg only. Mm-hmm. Um, and in some cases, I've had people do like their left side of their body, like just only on an extra day. Yes. Right. So if they're really, you know, off or they've got some issues going on, I'll have them go like say Tuesday when you're in the gym, you're going to do, you know, four sets of rows only on your left side with a dumbbell. Yes. Not even work the right side. Oh, yeah, wow. I, yeah, I, I guess I never thought yeah. about it. People yeah. lose their mind. Like other trainers are like, what the hell is going on? Yeah. Are you nuts? I'm like, but if they're that weak and yeah. they're that far behind, yep. even if you had one extra set, they're just, they're never going to get caught up. And, mm-hmm. you know, so far... I haven't seen anyone get weaker on their strong side. I've had people drop their strong side for months at a time. They go back and, you know, within one training session, they're back to where they were. Yeah. So. No, and I, yeah, I do the same. Like my left leg work, it's, it's, well, let's, let's say I squat and then I'm doing step ups. It'll just be only my left leg. Yeah. Um, and that's it because, you know, if I train the right one too, then I'm just getting further yeah, ahead. Get back to, you know, I'm getting normal. further ahead even, you know. <laughs> You know, that's an interesting outlook, though, because I remember reading muscle magazines as a kid, and they were always just saying, if you just keep doing bilateral stuff, the weak side will come up to the strong side, you know? Uh, Just keep training both sides the same. Depends on how it's done, yeah. 
And, but I can see where you might have to do that because I've noticed my left leg and right leg are a little different from like a sort of a flexibility point of view. Like this problem I've been having with my right heel, I'm really coming to believe that it's because lately I've been, I dropped calf work out of my sort of bodybuilding-esque routine. And when I don't, it's amazing how I'm like physically adapted or even addicted to whole body bodybuilding style training because when i don't do stuff <laughs> bad things happen you know like i wasn't doing as many stiff leg deadlifts and in direct calf work and uh i've noticed lately and this is not a fluke i'm sure that on my right side you know where that my right heel hurts so much i it's it's related to some very tight gastroc issues mm-hmm. uh <clears throat> it, you know so i, I and i was just assuming that this was some sort of local trauma, you know, like my calcaneus is somehow bruised or, you know, and, and I'm toying with this idea, is it like a plantar fasciitis or whatever? But the point is, since I've been back to doing, you know, my good boy whole body sort of stuff, including some calf work, I can't believe how much the stretching resolves the pain. I When I usually heard people say that, I'm like, ow, whatever, that's, that's not for me. I mean, that sounds hypocritical, but I never really thought that... It, tightness could cause that level of pain because we're talking about like limping pain mm-hmm. yes stretching actually and maybe it's because i'm older now you know because when you're in your 20s i'm not sure that's as critical but after um after decades of doing this stuff yeah i need to i need that full range of motion and that stretch mm-hmm. and that whole thing you know especially because your calf of course is sort of biarticulate like that your gastroc i mean and it's just i don't know Anyway. The other part I've noticed too, and since you teach all the time and you possibly probably wear dress shoes, dress shoes have also a heel elevation and are real stiff. So if you don't do anything to counteract that, there's a propensity for the tissue to adapt and just become more rigid because it's being fixed in the space. Yep. Right? And you think of how, you know, bodybuilders do like a calf raise. It's usually with a longer stretch at the bottom you know you're not trying to bounce the weight around you know you're trying right. to get that exactly range of motion back in you do them seated you do them standing right so you get you know both parts of the calf and soleus and that type of thing so that may go quite a ways to counteract you know sort of a rigidity you get from just your daily life and shoes possibly no i'm sure that's part of it you know the whole yeah i hate my dress shoes i'm I'm yeah. them. The problem is the, com- <laughs> the comfy ones are so dorky, and I don't know how many of our listeners have to wear dress shoes at work. But um, because the flip side of this, let me tell you, when I was looking at the Reddit uh, boards about what you're grateful for and stuff, a lot of these guys were saying, "I'm grateful that I have a front desk job at a gym," and then some other guys, oh, yeah. other guys are like, <laughs> you know. Um, really? Because the wages are mediocre and you don't have retirement or anything like that. And the other guys are like, yeah, but I just get to sit around my sweatpants and my tennis shoes and, you know, and uh, <laughs> lift for free, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so I thought that was an interesting comment, too, that sort of related to all this, because obviously not everybody's wearing dress shoes. And I can see, you know, it's just kind of fun to look at that conversation. Those guys are like, hey, oh, I'm grateful for this stuff, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember those days, uh, definitely working the front desk, you know, but. It's funny how different they are, though. Some of the guys are like, I don't know, I, th- I find it stressful. It's harder for me to be thankful for it because I'm running constantly. And other guys are like, really? Because I'm like on Netflix all day, <laughs> you know? <And> I, <laughs> I guess it depends what you're doing at that front desk or how big your gym is, I guess. But, uh. Yeah. I worked at a supplement store for a while after I graduated from college, the, the first go-round. And the one store that was actually open, I won't say the name, but... They had me dusting shelves and all this crazy stuff and listening to the same music that they put on a four-song loop because that was the mm. average time the customer was in the store. Oh, you God. about wanted to go 
kill yourself at yeah. the end of the day just to uh. listen to that. Um, and the other store I worked at, paradoxically, they were closing because they already knew they were going bankrupt. So uh, they had four months to work there. I didn't have to do anything because they said, well, what, what do we care if the shelves are dusty? <laughs> you know? We're oh, wow. Down. Yeah. Yeah. So I just sat around at the front desk for hours at end and read. It was kind of cool. You know, <laughs> Mike, that's a good point about the loop. Cause even if you listen to the, uh, just FM radio, it's the same thing. Mm. I mean, I still, yeah, this is dating yes. myself, but I still, when, when Van Halen's 1984 album came out, you know, the, a lot of those songs were pop, and I love Van Halen, one of my favorite bands. Yeah. Ever, but, I mean, some of that stuff was in such a constant rotation. I bet I heard it 15 times a day. And to this day, when I hear some of those tunes, like 1984, I think about, you know, or Panama, uh, yeah. you know, Jump. I I still think about working the front desk in that gym, that Mon gym, you know. I don't know. It's just funny. Yeah. So I don't feel you got, like, satellite and all the... that. But... Yeah, exactly. The worst place for me was a retail store during the holidays because they had the Christmas music, and the Christmas music was literally only two CDs. And after working there every day for like thirty days, you just to this day my wife makes fun of me because I don't like Christmas songs. <laughs> <laughs> Scrooge. Yeah, I know. I, I hear you. I hear you. So, all right. So, uh, just back to this Jen Iron list a little bit too. Um. Are you guys specifically grateful for certain supplements? Because that seems to always be on the bodybuilders list. And I don't know if it's as much on the strongman powerlifter kind of list. Are there supplements that you're really glad you have? How about you, Phil? Not supplement-wise, really. I mean, besides <laughs> besides the one I already noted. Um, no, I mean, I yeah, not really. I can't think of any besides that that I just got to have, you know. That, that I'm really thankful for. Right. Well, let's face it. I mean, as, as far as actual anabolic agents, with uh, enough research behind it, you know, I'm, that I'm actually grateful for my knowledge base. You know, it would be, I think, creatine and leucine are two things mm -hmm. that are they're bona fide mild, mm -hmm. you know, anabolic agents. And I think when I was back in the '80s, I was just talking about back then. I mean, it was like milk protein, like casein powder and stuff like that. But mm -hmm. we didn't. Nobody was selling leucine or creatine and that sort of thing, you know. Yeah. So, fish like, oils is a good one, but oh yeah, fish oils. Well, yeah, I, you know what? So much of this is it's food. Yeah, it's I know food that's the hard part. Encapsulated about it. food. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah like, I mean, I would say if I exclude the the food based ones, eh, I don't know. I mean, nothing. I think a lot of it is just you know basically a convenience type thing. Uh -huh. Um. You know, and I actually did have an appointment with a, a functional medicine doc a while ago to try to figure out some fatigue stuff and that type of stuff from probably burning myself at both ends for too many years. So maybe I'll change my mind in a couple of weeks, depending on what he comes up with. But, eh, you know, you know to exclude the food-based ones like you guys are talking about, like, you know, creatine and fish oil and mm -hmm. protein and coffee. It's like, eh, nothing, you know. <laughs> right. Yeah. Coffee's a good one. Coffee, man. Oh, coffee lost. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't go in. If we're, if, we're, if we're lumping that into supplements, then yeah, that's number one for me. You know, I was thinking about that. Like, it's just so simple, like the little things you treasure, but hot coffee yeah. and hot showers. Yeah. These are, yeah. these are oh, things I'm yeah. really glad that we have. Oh, yeah. Almost unlimited access to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, Mike, that's funny that you said you're talking about some, um, you know, functional medicine and fatigue issues and stuff. Cause I was in exactly the same situation. You and I will have to talk uh, last week. Yeah. And, um, 
especially like fatigue and joint stiffness and it's sort of a general collection. And one of the things the physician I was talking to, she was suggesting, um, you know, she's always worried about leaky gut in people. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm like, I don't have any digestive, you know, issues or anything like that. But then we started talking about how well you can digest and absorb or actually not digest and absorb intact some of these enzymes, you know, like bromelain from pineapple and all this sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. And um, she's because I told her, frankly, I was skeptical. A lot of that stuff just got broken down and denatured in your gut. And she's like, well, you know, I'm I'm actually a proponent of this, you know, clinically. And I said, you know, I have read some papers of that it did look like there were some mild benefits to things like mm-hmm. joint stiffness and, and DOMS, you know, muscle soreness and recovery and, you know, that sort of stuff. So, um, yeah. yeah I, I have used systemic enzymes in the past, like Wobenzyme and that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, if you take them, I used it actually when I was injured. If you take them between meals, they do seem to help with uh, joint stiffness, recovery. They do have a slight uh, analgesic effect, but... The, the downside is you need a pretty high frickin' dose, and I found that to get much of a tissue healing benefit, you know, between meals, like, three to four times a day, and at some point, I just stopped because it was just way too expensive. <laughs> oh, I see. Yeah, well, and you know yeah. what? I don't like things, because she was saying that, too, D- take them on a fasted stomach, and I'm thinking, yeah. well, you know, I don't do fasted <laughs> very well. <laughs> right, right. So when do you take them? You know, yeah. like, because I kind of graze as I'm running around teaching classes mm-hmm. or, yep. you know, before the gym. I mean, I have to eat on a touch-and-go basis, and I can't just plan, like, a two- or three-hour gap where I'm going to take my enzymes. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, you know, but so yeah, um, I don't know barbells versus dumbbells. I'm really grateful for dumbbells too, actually, and, and partly because when I do get stiff and that kind of thing, you know, you were talking about Mike like burning the candle both ends for too long, and yeah. I think beating your your body up for so long. Oh yeah, it's really nice for me to be able to just do something as simple as supinate, you know, the the, bar, yeah. the dumbbells a little bit back and forth, supinate and pronate and kind of, you know, like I can do heavy dumbbell work. My bench has always sucked, you know, but I think it would surprise people to see me struggle with, you know, 275 or 300 pounds in the bench. And then, I mean, nobody's – this isn't, like, crazy or anything, but it seems disproportionate that I can grab 120-pound dumbbells and do a decent set. You know what I mean? Uh, so it's just that being able to – I don't know. The stretch at the bottom kind of thing, like you said, bodybuilders like to do and that sort of stuff. Dumbbells really, really help with that sort of thing, you know. So. Yeah. And even when we've trained together, Lonnie, I've noticed that for dumbbell work, you know, you're very strong, very heavy tricep emphasis. And the angle is more, you know, shorter angle between the torso, more 45 degree. Or if you put you in uh, the straight bar. You know, it just looks like your tissue just doesn't like it nearly as well either. It's just not as efficient for you. Yeah, I don't know what it, it's funny how people's bodies are built differently, you know, but yeah, yeah, like my shoulders really grind. I try to do like the more weight power lifter type benching sometimes, you know, like the whole retract, you mm-hmm. press the scapula, you know, keep the elbows tight and, you know, mm-hmm. nice base out of the lats and, I don't know. That, I, for me, it's hard to make that go straight onto my pec. You'd think it, I could, I could do that, but, I don't know. <laughs> maybe I overthink mm-hmm. it too. I don't know. Maybe I'm overthinking. Anyway, that's some of the places that I've looked. I didn't want to go to the traditional, you know, quagmire of 
crap kind of boards. I mean, I don't have anything against bodybuilding.com specifically, but some of those threads, I think, do more damage than good because people just get on there and start throwing advice at each other. And, and you're reading this and you're like, you really don't have a freaking clue, do you? You know? Uh, and so I wasn't even sure I was going to. Um, <laughs> but someone who has a route. lot of posts on there, they they have authority, man. It doesn't matter yeah. your education or experience or you coach yeah. people or whatever, but you got 20,000 <laughs> posts from your mom's basement, man. You're yep. the man. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's amazing, too. And I'll tell you, in other genres, like I've seen this with video games and stuff, sometimes some of the, the big posters, people who post a lot, they are uh, they get so well-recognized, the company hires them. Yeah, eventually, sure. you know, and that kind of thing. Because let's face it, you know what? Companies love that stuff because those guys are free sales Exposure. reps, basically. Yeah. yeah. You know, generate controversy, even if they're an idiot. Uh, you know, you generate controversy. Uh, if you say something stupid, it's almost better for the uh, tra web traffic than if you say something more moderate and logical. Mm -hmm. You know. Yeah. Anyway. Bill knows how that works. Yep. <laughs> yes, he does. Not recently. <laughs> I've said in your past. Yep, I do. <laughs> to the point that he's been asked to manipulate it <laughs> yep. for the man. Yeah, yeah it's interesting. Interesting. Luckily, Phil's on our side, though. Yeah. <laughs> he's, yeah. He's straightforward. Yeah, I don't know. I, <laughs> at first, yeah, I almost think maybe Iron Radio would be boring to some people, you know, because we're just like, yeah. no, just eat a lot. No, just live heavy, you know. <laughs> I was, yeah, I was so straightforward, I got fired. So, <laughs> well, oh, you're boy. uncompromising, you know. You know, Phil, uh, uh, Fortress is like that a lot too. He's so uncompromising. He'll just tell people to f off. I mean, yeah. no matter how much is on the line. And I'm like, Rob. I mean, I could, I admire that in a way, but y y you got to live in modern society. You know, he's just so medieval. <laughs> I don't know. He's it's, very medieval. It's just funny. <laughs> yeah, he he was born a couple hundred years too late. That's all. Yeah. <sighs> Anyway, so I'm actually going to try to get Rob on for a little post-show segment. So we're going to leave a little bit of uh, time left here. Um, but anyway, so yeah, that's what I've got. You know, barbells, dumbbells, people like their supplements and their, you know, nutrition. I mean, I'm, I notice a lot, and I think we take for granted in this country that we can eat almost any kind of food from anywhere in the world any month we want, any time of the year we want. You know, like this time of year... There might be some apples left over from the fall here in Ohio, but there's not going to be citrus. You know, yeah. we could go buy anything, you know, anything. And even Rob, when he was down here, speaking of Rob, he's like, you know, when he lived down here, he's like, your grocery store has the most outrageous variety of everything imaginable. Mm -hmm. And we just don't have it. It's not quite the same in Canada. And I've been in Canada enough to, you know, the differences are subtle, but you can see them. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes it's bad. Like he's like, like you have an entire aisle for candy bars that just blows my mind. You know, there's like a candy bar aisle, uh, and that kind of thing. So sometimes it's um, it's sinful and corrupt too. <laughs> I don't know, but yeah, I think we do take for granted the huge variety of stuff that we can eat year round. Oh, and I was, one last thing, I knew I was going to think of something. Phil and I were talking before we hit the record button that um, you know, people should eat turkeys more often. Yeah. Because, uh, Phil, you said you do that four or five times a year, yeah? Yeah. So, and I don't understand why people, you know, people, it's like, exactly. And people think, yeah. that's Thanksgiving food. Man, no, that's all year food. You know, <laughs> I can get a 20-pound turkey for, like, you know, 18 bucks. So you're paying less than a dollar a pound for this massive amount of cheap protein that tastes good. So, 
Yeah. And, you know, you it can actually go the lean route. If you want to lean down, you just eat the turkey and keep the rest yeah. clean. Or you can make it part of a huge weight gain meal with the gravy and the yams and the you know yep. potatoes and so many good things to throw on that. My wife makes <sighs> these killer uh, oven-roasted um, Brussels sprouts, and she puts, mm. like, uh, bacon, bacon on them. And, oh, wow. man, they are fantastic so i mean if you're like the low carb route you could even keep that yeah. turkey meal fairly low carb yes you can you know so so versatile yeah so maybe there's a reminder to everybody go buy a turkey not just for thanksgiving or christmas you know so yep. get one of those a few times a year for sure so. very smart i need to do that more myself okay and the nice part is like you, from a prep standpoint people have to cook the whole turkey at once yes right so you already yeah. have food that's already oh like, good you know, call prepared yeah. Yeah. Right. You can't just be lazy and throw like, you know, it's more work to cook half of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, pre prep. Pre prep. Yeah. Built, built right in there. You know, my built wife right will, in. Yeah, she usually she does that with uh makes a whole bunch of chicken breasts and then, you know, we'll like cut them into fingers and then freeze mm. them or something. Yeah. Or even meatballs, you know. But you're right, with the turkey, you're doing that automatically. That's brilliant. Well that's yeah, we just pick the whole thing apart into a big pile of turkey and then yeah. I'll freeze half of it, you know, or whatever. Exactly. So. That, no, that's yeah, bonus. <clears throat> all right, fellas. Well, that's all I've got. Yep, that's another good one. Hope we get on with Rob and you can get some stuff with him up. So, right on. All right, everybody. Happy cool. Thanksgiving. Hey, yep. Happy. All Thanksgiving. right. Happy Thanksgiving to you guys too. Yep. Take care. I'll talk to you later. Hey, we're back with the Fortress. Rob, what's happening? Hey! Did you miss me, people? From the Great White North. Yeah, probably not, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, I'm still, I'm still floating around. Uh, still floating around. Glad to be uh, on the show here after maybe a, well, a month or two to hiatus, I suppose. Yeah, well, you're a working man, so we just got to chase you down sometimes here. I'm a working man. Yeah, working up here in the Great White North. Pretty cold out today. Hey, everyone. We were uh, just to let you in on what we're, uh, we were just discussing before we hit the record button. Uh, it's not Thanksgiving in Canada, and I'm not sure we emphasized that enough when uh, Mike and Phil and I were recording. Uh, because for the you know Canucks and uh, I think the, the British, and I don't know who all, but you can't, we can't assume that everybody is going to be especially grateful this weekend because it's not Thanksgiving. You're not really being reminded of that. I mean, it's always healthy, you know, to have some gratitude and stuff. But um, so I don't know. It's not especially appropriate for Rob and I to sit around and get all, you know, syrupy about how great grateful. <laughs> that's, never, <'cause> that's, <laughs> that's never appropriate. That's never appropriate. But we were just talking about anabolics, and that might – interest some people in fact i might put a clip of a, a few things of what we said uh on our app uh the extras if you get our um our little app on the itunes store or whatever but uh, podcast box it's called uh, but so we were just talking about how pro hormones you know they were they were on the market um you know androstein dione became more estrogen than, than anything else and rob you remember that and then i actually did some of that research uh, and then androstein diol came out, and that did become testosterone. And we are just discussing how some of these things, when people 
overdosed them. They were like mild anabolic steroids. You know, you did see people gaining weight and, and now back on the market, and I can't keep track is they keep coming out with these pro-steroids, you know, that don't become testosterone or, or nandrolone in the body, but they become like uncharted stuff, you know, uh, designer-type steroids. And some of them seem yeah. to work, you know, as far as people get it bulked up and bloated and holding water and probably strong, <laughs> strong or acne or whatever, you know. Um, but then, of course, the side effects are completely uncharted, and that's not always good, no matter how edgy that sounds to a young person that is... That's not good because what could not be charted could be all kinds of hideous side effects, you know, cancers or, I don't know, kidney damage. You know, some anabolics are noted for how liver and kidney toxic they are and that kind of thing. And so I can't keep track. And honestly, my understanding is most of them, when they're sold and, the, you know, people start boatloading them on purpose, um, they still don't last on the market. They get pulled, you know, off the market. So, but Rob, yeah. you were saying the... In Canada, that might be a moot point because gas is pretty open in territory. Well, like. I don't know. I don't, I'm talking specifically to Alberta and <clears throat> um, specifically where I am right now. Um, okay. For those of you who don't know, Alberta is a province in, in Canada, just like Ohio is a state in the U.S. Anyway, um, Edmonton is, I guess, the second largest city behind Calgary here in Alberta. And there was just... In October, I believe it was, there was the largest steroid bust in Canadian history here. It was in Edmonton. Oh, I didn't know. Uh, yeah, yeah. It just happened, like I said, like a, a month or two ago. Um, $9.3 million seizure of illegal steroids. Oh. Largest of, of its kind by a Canadian police agency. Mm. Uh, it beat an old bust that happened in uh, December 2008, apparently, in Montreal, Quebec. Um, yeah, so there's the same as a pretty highly sophisticated underground steroid manufacturing and distribution operation here. That explains a lot. You said a lot of the guys in the gym up there clearly look gassed. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'll just read you some of the stuff that were seized. Um, pill press, powder mixture, hoods, spectrometer, glassware and beakers, packaging materials. And the, and the, the seizure yielded, check this out. 365,268 tablets, over 10,000 vials, oh. 124 kilograms of raw steroid powders. So they're synthesizing uh, it, it sounds like. If they have a spec Oh, oh that. yeah. Oh, absolutely, yeah. 1,200 kilograms of various raw powders, 30 liters of liquid drug precursors. Um, anyway, so... Oh. Uh, yeah, and and I heard just the other day because the gym I go to is uh, you know a pretty large commercial gym here um, in Alberta, and some guy. I mean, I've been talking about this on the show like you know since I kind of moved out here that I've never seen <laughs> a gym so saturated with stuff. I mean, everybody's on. I mean, it, it's just it, it's insane. Um, and I just heard the other day some guy told me because of this bust that uh, you know the price of every. I think it's just <laughs> doubled and tripled. So <laughs> I wonder uh, how they label that. I mean, if it was all like uh, home brew, you know, I, you would think a lot of guys would be a little concerned. You know, you expect to look down and you see a label from some foreign country or something, something that suggests that it, it's made by a pharmaceutical manufacturer. But if not, I wonder what they put on it for labels and all that. You know what I mean? I'm sure it didn't just have like a white label with hand scribbled testosterone and anthate or something. 
you know, it just makes me wonder what they they did. And let's face it, a lot of those black market guys probably don't care anyway. But you'd think there's a lot of, um, you know, black market consumers. They'd want to know uh, what what the hell is going on. I guess. Yeah. I yeah. Know. You know. No, and, and it's interesting because um, I've been saying this for several years now, and I'm sure Lonnie, you'll, you'll recognize what I'm about to say. The whole idea that the internet has kind of blown the lid in a large way off of the mystique, quote-unquote, of bodybuilding, you know, and how, you know, the, the secrets of the stars, you know, there there was no secrets, there never was, <laughs> you know? Right, and, right. And you're, I'm even looking at a quote here from one of the, you know, one of the officers who was involved in the seizure, and he says, uh, you know, he's talking about the normal stuff about, um, you know, everybody wants to find a quick way, a way as quickly as possible, blah, 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 blah. But um, it is, where, where was the part here? It's kind of interesting. He's talking about, um, here's an interesting quote that he says, but kind of, and this is just a, a lay person officer who's talking about that. It's not like any other sport where most of your technique can come from hours of training. It really comes down to how you look and how people perceive you. You know, like the whole idea that, <clears throat> for so many of these guys, it, it's gone so far beyond having any sort of like athletic ability or actually cherishing athletic ability. It's you know what I mean. It's just kind of um, you know spiraled out of control to this point where you know even the average person on the street realizes that you know uh, you know the whole concept of eating and training and all that kind of is the is the, the minor minor elements that go into this kind of thing. But you know, know like, what? The, on the same token i mean i remember having rick collins on the show and his one of his big things is most anabolic steroid use is not for athletic purposes at all it's purely recreational you know they oh, don't have if they don't have that calling like a priest of a tom platts you know they, they don't have aspirations to compete uh but on the flip side sometimes i think the media does equal disservice when they say all you have to do is step on the gas you know and inject uh some steroids and you look like the cover of a magazine and that's patently false you know, guys who do that, they look like bloated, you know, um, permabulkers probably at best. You know what I mean? Yeah, but you, <clears throat> but you know what? It really is the miracle of of these performance-enhancing drugs is ever more displayed to me as the years go on. Um, because of the just the proliferation of these things like I say up here and how it's been for a couple of years at least that I've been seeing it. I have literally watched guys in the last couple of years who have no idea what they're doing <clears throat> in the gym um, blow up to <clears throat> to levels that certainly put them towards and I'm not saying the quality of their physique is anywhere near Frank Zane's you understand but I've seen them seriously go blow up to those kind of levels through not doing very, like their training being, because I watch them every day, day in, day out train. And their training is ignorant and naive at best. And well, even lazy. the drug use, I think a lot of those guys is unsophisticated, which is one of the reasons why I think you see the permabulkers or why we talk about how powerlifting has a lower barrier to entry because you don't have to think about cutting drugs anti-estrogens uh you know there's so many different things that the guys on the cover of a bodybuilding magazine they have to stack in they change i mean if they were on their off-season stack 
before they got ready for a contest or a photo shoot, they look like hell. You know, and I yeah. think some of the guys that you're talking about, I, I can appreciate that. They blow up well past a Frank Zane size, you know, that 200, 210, 220 size. Um, they just look like crap, you know, because it's unsophisticated. <laughs> They're just taking huge, huge amounts of, you know, just like raw testosterone or I don't know, whatever it is that they're able to get, you know. You know, but it's also interesting that I, I, I notice a similarity between a lot of the guys here in the way their physiques look. Oh. Which which leads to that whole idea that you and I used to speculate um, all the time about how, you know, the, 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 there was this idea amongst, you know, underground guys that certain anabolics gave you different looks. Oh, and I believe that to be true. My son and I were talking about that the other day. You know, you can, I honestly believe you or I could look at a lot of people and we could really narrow down what they're on. You know, that's a Trenbolone look. That's a Winstraw look. You know, that guy's on raw test or maybe Dianabol, you know, because some things make you so bloated and hold so much water. You know, some things are very finishing drugs. You know, sometimes they're called, you know, uh, girl steroids, you know, that sort of thing. And they have... Yeah. They do different things to you cosmetically, strength-wise, even um, how cranky some can make you compared to others, you know, right. that kind of thing. It's it's funny when you look at some of the comments here that I'm looking at from, you know, one of the newspapers where I'm kind of was culling some of my information that I gave there. Uh, you know, this one guy saying it costs a taxpayer through increased health care costs. Throw these guys in the slammer. Then the other guy is like, are you a moron? Do you know how much it costs taxpayers to jail? These people, hormones are not narcotics. Um, oh, well, good for him, actually. He, you know. Yeah, and here's a funny one. Hmm, Edmonton guys with big arms and small tools. Anyway, yeah, great, great comment. But, yeah. yeah that's I, that kind of ignorant. That, the average dude loves to say that, you know. that They oh, think it, make, it gives you a small member. That's That's absurd. <laughs> <laughs> They're androgens, yeah, no, you know. Maybe small, you know. Maybe your testicles sh shrink. Uh, sure, but I, I don't know. It's funny what the average person says. Actually, that's another thing I was just talking about recently. Was you know the level of scheduling, you know, of, of how taboo it is to even possess these things. Um, when you think about overcrowded prisons, and Rob, you can, you know, you're a guy to see this firsthand. It does make you wonder why we're putting, you know. Little Mister, even if he is just sort of, sort of ignorant weenie, and he's just taking, you know, uh, testosterone to be a permabulker, do we really want to spend taxpayers' money, and, you know, to feed this guy three square meals a day and keep him warm and everything else, and and frankly, probably mess him up pretty good by putting him in prison with harder, you know, uh, hardened criminals. Okay. I don't, you know, it really does kind of re re ask that question. I think Jim Wendler said, which is. Why in hell are is it that illegal to be excess male? You know, uh, yeah. I think we need to retool some of this. But it comes back to the politics. We had a politics episode recently, and we were saying how easy it is for politicians to wag a finger and say, shame on you to the anabolic steroid uh, user because they're such a tiny constituent. It's not going to affect his votes. They're not going to point the same finger at booze, for example, because, you know, two-thirds of their voter base is drinker, are drinkers, you know. Well, I can tell you, like you said, seeing firsthand and now for a couple of years, and I've, I think I've even said this on the show before, but an overwhelming majority of people are in jail 
directly or indirectly because of substance and alcohol abuse or use or in like I said directly or indirectly. And so when I see stuff like this, it and and, and just just to you know, we have to say because we always have to say you know we're not condoning it we're not no we're just absolutely being very we're being very neutral about it and Lonnie and I right now are not on anything and we don't use anything so that that's it, it we're just kind of being neutral about this but but yeah when you look at at it objectively as Lonnie's saying. Wh- yeah, they're going after you know, like, like these guys you're saying that are just you know dabbling and stuff. But yet our jails are, f- and I'm I can guarantee it's the same in your country, the U.S. and probably jails the world, world over. You know where they're going after these guys, but you know they're completely ignoring the fact that you know jails are full of guys that are in there because of quote unquote legal drugs. You know and. It's just baffling to me. I mean, you turn that's on the TV. That's a good point, Rob. That's a really good point that so much crime can be directly related to alcohol or, you know, other kinds of substance abuse. Alcohol, notably, because alcohol is so, you know, socially acceptable. Uh, and yet so much crime is exacerbated by that. And I don't know what the percentage is, but I've, I've heard that the prisons down here in the States are, um, we're the we have the most crowded prison system of anywhere in the world, you know. So oh, it, it does absolutely. make you wonder yeah. why you know with some kid, uh, you know, he gets caught smoking pot or one of these local gym goner goers. They just want big arms, you know. Um, maybe we need to rethink some of these things, you know. And like you said, I'm not condoning it either. I'm just you know when you look at as a class of of substances as me, of medication. Um, of course, there are many kinds, some much harsher than others, but there are quite a few. And there's even some scientific papers that have been written about, you know, uh, how health enhancing some of these things can be when they're done in a medically monitored sort of way, you know, with um, limited cycles or, or whatever. And uh, and like you said, I mean, you and I were, were not on anything, so it's easy to take this sort of stance. But we've been around a lot of people who have used all kinds of stuff. And I think that's, you know, over time, you don't have to be a genius to start to pick up, oh, he's on this or he's on that. That's a growth hormone look. You know, if you want to go into that category, um, you know, even like you said, you know, it's 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 that cosmetic and you can, like, I think it's very interesting. You said a lot of the guys up there, they look similar. Well, that suggests they're all using the same source of, of stuff, whatever particular compound it is. Right. You know. You know, it comes down to this. When it comes down to law, it comes down to two things. And I'm not saying anything that those of us who are kind of privy to these kind of things don't know, but bears repeating. It's two things. It's what politicians can control in some small marginal way that won't affect their voter voter um, um, situation, as you mentioned, Lonnie. And it comes down to what what they can appear to be um, protecting, quote unquote, protecting the public from right that won't affect their bottom line as far as their their in- revenue s- stream. Those are the two things. It has nothing to do, nothing to do, with protecting society or any of that. Right from bad nothing. people. From yeah, right from bad seeds because you see the real bad seeds and they're not the same guys you see in the gym. You know what no, I mean? After some know, of the stories you've told me. Jesus. 
Well, no. I mean, it's you know, it's 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 like I say. I mean, jails are full of guys who are in there because of boozing it up and drugging it up, not anabolic steroids. And you know, prohibition was was attempted, you know, like a hundred years ago or whatever it was, right? Ninety years ago, and it failed miserably. They couldn't do it. They couldn't control it because it's such a pervasive, widely used alcohol, such a widely used thing. So they know they can't even hope to manage that. At the very least, hope to manage that without completely collapsing any political support that they'll get from the you know the population. Well, and, and cropping up complex um, criminal rings instead of things that can actually be taxed and monitored. You know. Well, exactly, and well, then that was my second point. The the point, the revenue that that they, you know, receive from the sale of alcohol is astronomical. So they're not going to touch any of that, um, which is just again it, it, something that just inflames me. It, just you know, just a, nonsense. There's law and there's justice, and very rarely do the two kind of have any kind of connection to one another. So, hey, I have one more question because uh, we're run out of time already here in our segment. But so Phil mentioned to me that I think he's working with a female athlete who's a Canadian. I can't remember the details, but he said he was of the impression, at least, that. Um, Simple possession of anabolics in Canada was not as severe penalty-wise as it is here in the states. That it's really just if you're distributing. Uh, is that accurate? Because I know, for example, my wife has counseled uh, people in the past. I never heard any names, of course. It was all very anonymous. But she said she's counseled people who had gotten out of prison from simple possession. And Phil was of the opinion that people in Canada didn't go to jail for simple possession. Is that accurate, or is it just you one of those what? things that's not really enforced? You know, it's like it's in the law, but it's not really enforced, you know? Yes. Or? That, that it, again, without knowing specifics, yes, I believe that is the case. It's it's not enforced to any... I mean, again, you, you have to have some situation, like I just told you about this massive steroid bust. You know, or, or usually up here, I've noticed the trend being that when they mention stuff like this, um, apart from this one, because this one was just so big. Right. But whenever steroids are mentioned in, in, in some sort of like connection with some sort of bust or something, it's kind of like um, an addition to other things that they were more going for. You know, like it was a it was a um, outlaw motorcycle gang that was you know heavily involved in all sorts of rec you know recreational oh, drugs and so right. forth. And and it was you know we got all this, we got cocaine, we got firearms, we got all the this other stuff. Oh, and we also got, you know, like, you know, 30 vials of anabolic steroids. Yeah, they love to lump kind of, that in with the thing. other kind of stuff. Happen. Yeah, to make it feel dirty yeah. somehow, or I don't know. Yeah, because I don't think, yeah, I don't think they are too... Um, and, and I can tell you, too, is, you know, now that I'm, you know, in, in work, I'm a law enforcement officer, I can tell you that the whole idea that, you know, cops and that use lots is entirely true. I mean, the problem is just, just as, as pervasive in, uh, you know, amongst the people who are on that, you know, on this side of the law that they are on the, uh, you know, contrary to the law. So I've actually known uh, guys in local gyms around here, many of them cops, you know, and, and very definitely on. 
And, you know, you could make the ethical argument, oh, well, they're protecting the public with their extra strength or size. And, well, maybe, but they're still not following the same laws that they're supposed to uphold. So that that just creates a mess, doesn't it? I don't know. No, you're absolutely right, because I thought the same thing, that that argument can be made. But, like, when it comes down to it, the law is the law. And you're either, you know, like, you're either, you you can't have a two-tier system three-tier, whatever you want to be. I mean, we all know that they exist. You know, we all know that there are, you know, they, you know, law is different from other people depending on what your demographic is and what your, you know, your 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 wealth is and all that type of thing. But, you know, at least, you know, from the from vantage point of, you know, presenting it to the public, you can't have that. But, I mean, we've made, <clears throat> we've made mention of the whole thing with, you know, uh, former Mr. Olympia, Ronnie Coleman. Right, yeah. You know, I mean... He was a, he was a um, you know he was a, a police officer in Arlington, Texas, and uh, you know he even had one of his you know training DVDs that he released you know during his prime years, and part of it was showing him on the job, you know arresting people. I remember him driving around in a cruiser or something. I don't know. Yeah, and and you know, and of course then it became the point where okay, he's still working as a police officer while he's Mr. Olympia, now he's taking a leave of absence for, you know what I mean, and there was that whole thing that was going on when he was kind of like in the middle of his run where it was like oh, he has to, you know, just um, he's just kind of like a, temp- a leave of absence where he has to, you know, uh, volunteer blah, blah, blah. but you, you start to wonder, and you and I have wondered about this too, like was what was the reality of that situation? Right. Again, we're, I'm just like, was he actually pulled into one of his, you know, um, commander's offices and said, listen, this is how it's going to be presented and this is how it's going to be because we can't have this anymore. Right. It's too high profile. We're going to ask you to take a leave of absence and we strongly suggest you take it. Yeah. Because you know, I mean, way. you know, I mean, there's gray areas and there's, you know, and blah, 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 blah. But when you're getting a guy who's five foot ten, you know, and he's ripped at like 285 pounds. Even the most idiotic person on the street, ignorant person on the street, is going to look at that and say, "Uh uh-uh. And, you know, Rob, that's to sort of close this up. That's bring this back to what we were saying before. You were saying before about how the Internet has just blown the lid off of all this stuff. Because in the 70s, you know, and even the 80s, if you remember, people, they looked at the cover of those magazines. Those guys are amazing. There was always this sort of a hint of anabolics. Uh... But, you know, a lot of it was, oh, they must train. They must train hours a day and eat so disi- with such discipline and and be so genetically gifted. And a lot of that's just gone out the window. I mean, is there a genetic gift for bodybuilding? Yeah, but it's for stuff like sm- not just muscle mass, small waist, small joints, the ability to tolerate <laughs> drugs, you know, uh, side effects. Oh, um, yeah. And yeah. the Internet's blown that wide open so you can't have some uh, a cop like that because you're right the average chump on the street will say you're a reuter and he'd be right you know you don't have to be a doctor to figure that out and the internet's completely blown that open you know and if you are somebody who you know kind of knows what's going on can you imagine being arrested by that for something like you know a recreational drugs uh, possession oh, or something like right? that, right? Yeah, I mean you could you could just throw that at the court in such ways to just you know the court eventually just be throwing it out or something for fear of you know having it dragged through the media mud, you know the things like well you know look at the arresting officer, you know he's busting me for a bag of pot, look at this guy, right? 
know what I mean? Like, yeah, he's got fifteen thousand so dollars worth of anabolics and growth factors in his refrigerator. You know. Yeah. Well, he's in his veins. You know. Right. So right like, not to mention, right? <laughs> you know. So, like, what kind of hypocrisy is going on here? So, yeah. I, I, again, I, we're just you know like speculating here, but I, I I do speculate that something more involved happened there with him. So. Well, you'll have to let us know if it dries up. If all of a sudden these guys in the gym, you know, who you say, you know, they don't know what they're doing. They're just, they all have that same, you know, anabolic look. How many of them will just uh, suddenly either not be at the gym anymore or just get small? You know? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, um, that's, that's exactly what I've been kind of interested to see, you know, because when, you know, when I heard about the bust and then I, you know, the guy told me the other day, you know, in the gym, he was saying, you know, everything is just the prices have just shut skyrocketed. That's exactly what I was thinking. I was thinking, well, it's going to be interesting over the next several months to kind of see, you know, what's going on here. You know, because where, you know that happened in Ohio. Remember when you lived down here? And there was a period where everyone in the audience of bodybuilding shows in the audience were huge, and then uh, there's all this crackdown. <laughs> you hear about a bunch of key busts, and even on the federal level, they were ramping up, you know, the quote unquote kind of drug war against anabolics, and and then for years, everybody was small. <laughs> Except for the handful of competitors, like the people who somehow still had access, you know. Yeah. The the crowds shrank by like a factor of three, and I don't mean in number; I mean in physical size. Uh, <laughs> and then as things loosened up, um, you know, circa two thousand, maybe I don't know. Um, all of a sudden, the crowd started getting big again. I don't know. It's just it paralleled it. You know, I yeah. don't know. It's it's kind of comical, really, when you think about it. It is kind of yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm glad I was able to catch up with you, brother. Uh, we're going to get everyone, we're going to get some more recordings uh, from Fortress uh, when I am on break from university uh, because I'll be able to do that. I'll have some flexibility in my schedule so, you know, we can uh, get some more rants and input and news from uh, from the mighty Fortress. Oh, yeah. Anyway, yeah, so it, it was good to be back on the show and, like I said, we'll try and get... Uh you know, a little bit more frequently, but uh, yeah, I hope everybody out there is doing well. Uh, you know, it's only a few weeks now away from Christmas, which is amazing. So, um, um, hope everybody is a, kind of in a festive spirit. I hope everybody's health is doing well, and everybody's lips are going up, and everybody's everybody's happy. And we'll talk again soon. Rock on. Iron Radio is accepting donations. If you like what we do, the professors, the scientists, the bodybuilding show promoters, the athletes themselves in powerlifting and bodybuilding, um, please consider making a donation or maybe buying something from the ironradio.org uh, store. Uh, we also are accepting supporting members. So for $4 a month, which is frankly less than the bank sneaks out of your account in fees, you can step up and support a form of sort of public radio for the bodybuilding and powerlifting and strength community. The Iron Radio Podcast and all of the audio on ironradio.org is for informational purposes only. If you're interested in starting a diet or exercise program, it's important to check with your physician. Also seek the help of registered dietitians, athletic trainers, and qualified exercise physiologists in order to make the progress that you need. 